0: Welcome to the Legislate podcast, a place to learn about the latest insights and trends in property, technology, business building, and contract drafting. Today, I'm excited to welcome Jeet on the show. Jeet is a CEO and co-founder of Mountbase. Mountbase is an on-demand streaming app where founders, industry speak, superstars, and entrepreneurs share their stories and insights. Jeet, thank you for taking the time. Would you like to please share a bit of background about yourself Sure, thanks Mountbase. so much
1: for the intro. Uh, Mountbase is a streaming site where we're bringing together people and real life experiences so we're sharing stories from founders entrepreneurs uh, and business-minded people that have been there and done it and what we wanted to do is sort of change the way in which people look at the business world and interact with it really we've combined tech so we're a media company so we produce a lot of in-house media and we've combined that with storytelling and tech. so we've sort of slide form where you can watch all these videos on demand and sort of aspire to sort of the best life and also Do what you love every day.
0: That's great. And what have been your most inspiring videos?
1: There have been quite a few different ones. I think for myself, some of the really inspiring stories have been, you know, Kieran Savage from CIP, just the way he started his business because he sort of one day with a hundred pounds in a backpack, he just went out and started selling card payment solutions to people. And I think as of last week, he's sort of earning over nearly five million pounds a year. He's been voted in Forbes 30 under 30, all without you know, university and uh, going down the traditional career path. So that's been really inspirational for myself, but I see a lot of founders that are, have these crazy inspirational stories, right? They have um, from no funding, all the odds stacked against them, everyone telling them they can't do it. And then from there they go straight from, like, from that to sort of these groundbreaking companies, like if dating or Keo or James from Luna. So those have been really good ones.
0: Yeah, great. And I think uh, the more someone says you can't do something, the more you're likely to do it as an entrepreneur. Yeah,
1: exactly that. But also, I feel a lot of our stories share that we're all kind of in this together. We've we kind of all face the same challenges and a lot of that doubt that you have, oh, can I do this? Or is it really going to work out? And then sort of overcoming that. So that's been really inspirational as well. And seeing people that have actually been in those tough situations with those challenges
0: i agree and from your personal experience then what's been your favorite moment being mount based so i
1: think so far we had a really great moment a couple of weeks ago we launched our web app so to be able to see uh, the fruits of our labor just out there so anyone can sort of load it or uh, watch online and seeing subscriptions kind of in from day one has been really good so it's been like it's been a great payoff for our team of seeing all their hard work pay off and actually see that you're getting that validation that people want to watch watch what we're doing I guess the other thing from our side that's been really inspirational is we had a sort of meet the creators panel a couple of weeks ago where we just invited, you know, the 15 people that we filmed with first to just like come and have a few trips with us on our roof terrace and just hearing the feedback from them and how much they enjoyed it. That was really good.
0: Congratulations. Cheers. And what do you wish you had known before starting Mountbase?
1: oh gosh uh, so many things uh, we started mount base in 2019 where it was just like a an idea from with my co-founder and myself but we kind of went full-time in january of this year of 2020 I guess launching it st- on the tail end of COVID. i wish we knew how much backlog there would be from like in terms of getting equipment in and just all these setup costs and sort of lays on that but i guess you can't really plan for that but the other thing is just the changing just how things change so quickly in in the world of small business i wish we knew a bit more about that but um, other than that i don't think there's too much else
0: great and uh, so you've now got a web app Uh, what's the the plan or the vision for the next five years and beyond
1: sure so we've got our web app out now we're launching our actual apps for uh, phones and tablets like in, in literally about two weeks time so they'll be there to download globally we've launched globally as well so we decided to go big or go home so in the next couple of years we really want to expand our our content out so we're working on quite a few different panels across the UK now. So really shifting towards like within a company. So marketing, sales, that sort of side, but we're also creating really cool partnerships with universities and other businesses to get our subscriptions out to more people. And we're also looking to expand internationally as well. So we've got a couple of projects lined up um, in the pipeline for America, but also in Australia and some, some really cool conversations going on across there. So that, that's kind of on the horizon. And then finally, I would say it's just kind of going through a fundraiser at the moment. So fingers crossed, um, we get a really good result and you know, get get some funding in to, to really scale up the business.
0: That's very exciting. And what insights or tips can you share about going international so early on?
1: I think some of the biggest things that we've learned is to not get too ahead of yourself. Uh, it's better to really plan it out and know what you're doing rather than just jump straight into it because there's so, it's being in the UK, there's so many things we can control where you know, Harriet and I have had experience, you know, having a company in the UK, we've had a company in Dubai as well before. So we have a bit of that international experience, but jumping into new markets is something you shouldn't take too lightly. What we're trying to do is actually build up those relationships way in advance of us actually going over there so we can make most of our time, but we also really mitigate the risk that way.
0: That's a great, great yeah. piece of advice. And uh, as a CEO, I imagine you come across quite a few contracts. Mm-hmm. So, what are they? And have you encountered any errors of friction?
1: Yes, we've got, in terms of contracts, we have a couple of different types. So, we do have contracts with the people we partner with, so our content creators. So, we have a sort of uh, non disclosure agreement with them. So, Anything that they film with us, we try and not get them to film with other people or uh, to share those uh, that content out without you know, pre-agreed, uh, agreed sort of framework. Uh, some of the biggest sticking points with that is you know, so it happy happen. We really want to get everything out there as quickly as possible. So sometimes sharing things that aren't ready to be shared yet—that's kind of a little bit of a sticking point. But the other stuff is around intellectual property rights and stuff. So who actually owns? The content what we can do with the content how we can distribute it so the way we work is you know mount based on all the contents we film it all ourselves sits behind our paywall and our subscriptions so that is owned by us and not the actual content creators um, but the sort of benefit for them is that we do collaborate with them very intensively and like in the creative stages we do have a lot of input from their side so even though we own the content everyone's kind of happy with the way the content looks before we sort of make it public um but sort of side is we also we don't charge our content creators for any of the content, so that's kind of a sort of benefit on that. So it's not been too much of a sticking point, but sometimes it can get a bit a little bit tricky with you know, who owns what and what can be published where and and thing.
0: I can imagine. And uh, with a legal team, do you use any legal tools?
1: Yeah, at the moment, we're uh, still quite a small startup. We don't really use that many. Legal tools. Something what we found really useful is having like templates drawn up quite early on from like a a legal professional. But the thing is, you know, you can't get templates drawn up for every project, right? You're going to kind of burn through that cash very quickly. So, having a platform where you can kind of get all this advice or a template or something that you need quite quickly, and that you know is like very sound legally, and you can rely on it uh, later down the line for when if you ever need to rely on it, is really helpful. And also, it saves a, it's a lot of time, right? You don't have to go through a lawyer every time with the billy for loads of hours. But at the same time, you've got kind of that assurance, that safety net that that this is legal. So, yeah, definitely that that's really helped. I think, especially with our employment contracts, because we know we have a team of six now, so not having to draw up a bespoke employment contract every time is really, really good.
0: Yeah, no, I um, I agree. Templates are mm-hmm. you need a template to, to get started, but. They very quickly come out of date, whether it's in law or a, something new about the employee that you're hiring and uh, it can be very tempting to make those Mm -hmm. changes yourself, but that kind of then breaks the integrity of the whole contract because everything is connected. One thing that we do try to do at Legislate is provide those templates, maintain them so that users don't need to worry about legal updates, but then when they do need to Tailor the template to their specific requirements. Now that we've had over a couple thousand users create contracts on our system, we've anticipated what most of those questions are. So it's just a question of tailoring the contract to your specific requirements and not having to worry about actually doing any drafting because we do that. That's a very useful piece of insight. And uh, conscious that I've taken ready a lot of your time, so. I'm going to share the closing question that we ask all our guests. If you're being sent a contract to sign today, what would impress you?
1: I think three things would really impress me. Number one is having it quite easily viewable, so in an online digital format, uh, being an easily editable format will a format where you can make notes quite quickly for example in some of the contracts we see there's very small feedback that we like to put just changing a wording or something like that so just being able to put a note in the margin being like point three clause 5 can you just change this wording that's really good and then finally like a digital uh, tool maybe so you can sign it all digitally and then also then distribute that to basically all of the relevant parties and so you can kind of just crack on with without too much oh there's been one word changed in paragraph three. So we now have to go sign five copies and send one to Manchester, sign one to you know, Cornwall and one in London or something. So that that's what we look for. Brilliant. Great.
0: That's a great answer, G. Thank you for uh, taking the time. And uh, best of luck going big around the world. Cheers. Thank you Matt so much. On.
1: It was great talking to you and great hearing about some of your insights as well.
0: Thank you.